Welcome to Blockbusted, the movie review podcast where two vampiric thralls ask, how's your neck feeling? I'm Mitch. I'm Max. And today we are looking at Bram Stoker's Dracula and The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Voyage of the Demeter or uh, Dracula Voyage of the Demeter, depending on which market you're in. I think we're in the second market, actually. Yeah, I, so the title card was Dracula Voyage of the Demeter. I think Last Voyage of the Demeter is a better name. I agree. But also, I guess they thought Australia was stupid and didn't know the Demeter was from the Dracula story. I mean, to be fair, to be fair. I, I think you're going to say the exact same thing I was about, I was about to say. <laughs> To be fair, I I didn't know. Yeah, me either. I haven't read that Demeter was from Dracula. I haven't read it either. Anyway, uh, welcome welcome to the podcast. Uh, today's theme is Dracula. 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 Uh, what was it? They they never say it straight in Dra- the, Dracula, the, the, Dracula. The Dracula Dracula as as Anthony Hopkins continuously calls him just a quick update I'm still two points ahead of Max so please take all of my opinions better than his it's um there what's the what's the word higher quality is what I would consider them Max thoughts and opinions what's your game plan for today to try and get a point and bridge the gap I, I between believe you and in, me i believe in the, in the natural acquisition of points that's why you're losing i'm trying to think do i have any other bits i can do before we start global warming am i right dracula dracula <laughs> spoiler <laughs> warning for bram Stoker's dracula and the last yep yeah, the, the two films we're doing So the first film we're going to look at today is Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, directed by the illustrious Francis Ford Coppola and released in 1992. It stars Gary Oldman, Winona Ryder, Anthony Hopkins, Richard E. Grant, Carrie Ells, and for some reason, I decided when I was writing my notes to not include Keanu Reeves, but Keanu Reeves is also in this film, and I've decided to put him after Carrie Ells, so... Way to go, me. What's what's Bram Stoker's Dracula about? Bram Stoker's Dracula by Francis Ford Coppola is based on the novel Dracula. By who? By Bram Stoker. Oh, no way. Released in, I think it was in 1897. I was going to say, uh, no, 1992, but then I realized it's because the film was coming up again. Which tells the story of Vlad the Impaler, a reasonably famous warlord in what is now Eastern Europe, who, due to the suicide of his wife, defiled himself against the church and became immortal as a vampire. And now he's back and ready for vengeance of any, as it were. No, mostly, so it's about Dracula, who is Vlad the Impaler. He, his wife commits suicide thinking that he's dead. He's not dead. He reneges the Catholic Church and becomes a vampire. Says, fuck you, Jesus. Lives for several thousand years and then discovers that a woman who is the same person as his wife. Well, it's it's the reincarnation of. Yeah. And she's betrothed to Keanu Reeves. Who's betrothed to Keanu Reeves. And 
And the story is about his love for her and how horny everyone gets over vampires. Everyone is really horny. It's so horny. Yeah, look, I like Francis Ford Coppola a decent amount. Godfather Part 1 and 2, unironically, two of my favorite films of all time, which I know is funny to laugh at nowadays, especially because the Barbie movie put a good little thing on that. Deservedly so, I will add. I, I also would like to point out I've never forced um, a date to sit down with me and watch The Godfather because I know that would not lead to anything good. But yeah, so I think he's a great director. Have you seen The Godfather's? Max just shook his head. I'll handle that part. What about, have you seen Apocalypse Now? No. Have you seen any of Sofia Coppola's films? Uh, Maybe. Have you seen Lost in Translation? No. Have you seen Marie Antoinette? Also no. I think she did The Virgin Suicides. Haven't seen that one either. All right, cool. Well, don't worry. I got you, champ. I've seen four out of the six films I just mentioned. Most of them, the Francis, all of the Francis Ford Coppola ones and a singular Sophia Coppola. Do you know anything about how they, they made this movie? <laughs> no. All right. It's a bit of a classic tale of just weirdness. Well, let's start with the good stuff. First of all, Almost all of it, all of the effects and everything was done in camera. There's like one thing I believe that isn't and the rest of it is, which is actually quite impressive. So they, um, because a lot of, oh, you're holding your finger up I have seen one of Francis Ford Coppola's movies. Oh, wait, no, he he produced it. What was it? The Secret Garden. I haven't actually seen that one. So you got one on me at least. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah. So a lot of the, a lot of it was done actually in camera. So a lot of the, there's a lot of really cool shadow work, like uh, shadows doing things that the person who's casting them is not. That's all body doubles and that type of thing. There's a scene where you see a book and a train kind of goes over the book it's a miniature train and then a 20 foot book that they made. It's just stuff like that, like a lot of forced perspective. Uh, they they did, I think, a double exposure thing to have rats run across a ceiling in one shot when you could see Keanu Reeves uh, on the bottom of the screen and then there's the rats running across. So I think they, they would have shot one and then done the other. Yeah, I mean, I assumed a lot of those like special effects were sort of like double exposure sort of things. Well, it's just really cool. I just think it's really cool how they did it because uh, it looks good. Apparently, the original the original thing they were going to do was they were going to spend all the money on costuming and then do bugger all with scenes and effects. But the studio said, please don't. We will give you money for both. Chill out. It's fine. Which is really funny because it's just the, go for the garb. All garb, baby. Double in scenes no we'll just film in a black void it's fine put throw some random green screen back there yeah 1992 green screen very well you love it for, i love it i don't know what did we use green screen in 1992 honestly i don't know that much about vfx history to be able to tell you if we i'm sure we didn't it would have been some sort of matte painting of a red void or something like that they, there was a point when uh, front, Mr. Mr. Coppola, Francis Ford, uh, he went to talk to a, a special effects company and they said, we're going to do it like this and we're going to do it like that. I think they were erring, erring sorry, towards uh, gra- gra- computer graphics, which at the time were trash. And he fired all of them and got his son to do it all instead. Cool. So a champion 
as it were. Um, have you heard about his most recent film? No. Meg- Megalopolis, starring Adam Driver. It's a he's he's funded a lot of it himself. I think Spike Lee. Spike Lee. Yeah, he did the guy who did do the right thing. Spike Lee. Spike Jones. Fuck, who's Spike Lee? Spike Lee's the guy who did her. Spike Jones. Spike Jones is the guy who no? did her. Spike Jones did her. Spike Lee did. Do the right thing. You're confusing me. Am I? I, I think you've, I think it's a pun. Do the right thing is Spike yeah, Lee. Yeah, no, I'm thinking it's Spike Lee. It's Spike Lee. You also did the bad version of Old Boy. Yeah, so he went and saw, he went to the family ranch slash vineyard of Francis Ford Coppola and said the first 30 or 40 minutes were good, apparently. He, he said in that weird Spike Lee way of, it, you know the way that Will Smith's son, J- Jaden Smith, used to text, or oh, not text, tweet? Uh, vaguely. He would put every single word as a, every single word would have a capital. Yeah, Spike Lee text, uh, t- tweets the same way. X is the same way? I don't know. What's it called I now? I think it's still tweets. They haven't said it's not tweets yet, so I'm calling it tweets. Anyway, point is, I don't know. It, I didn't like this movie. Um, I've, I'm beating around the bush. This movie sucks. <laughs> what did you think? I really wanted to like this movie. I really did because I understand how much of an influence this has had on like screen culture and the ways that like vampires have been portrayed in like contemporary cinema um, and even like contemporary media as a whole. But this movie is so campy and tropey. And I'm sure it's like, it is that because it helped. It was like the foundation for the tropes, which it, you sort of feel like it is. Oh, I see what you're saying. So the reason why it is so tropey is because it invented all Yeah, that, that sort of thing. And yeah, it feels cliche because it, it, it's what the cliche has come out of. And the problem with like, watching a film in that sort of context is it still feels tropey or cliche. Yeah, it's... Almost like it hasn't stood the test of time because it's just been re it's whatever it's done has been redone and almost kind of has been redone better since because it's been worked on and well it, it's one of those it's one of those films especially that was so influential that it became parody and like once you get to that stage then everything that you like create with that in that sort of space becomes a joke because the parody has given it that value. No, but like I was, um, I was doing a bit of reading around the film and it's things like the, like, yeah, the one thing that stood out to me is, um, what we do in the shadows by Taika Waititi and, um, Jermaine Clement, which I think you and I will both agree is a fantastic film and very funny. I do really like it. Yes. I haven't watched the TV show though, so don't ask me that. I've only watched a little bit of the TV show. How is it? Uh, it was tight. It's, it's fine. The movie's better. <laughs> cool. Continue. <laughs> I think it's Matt Berry's. Is it Matt Berry's character? No, it's Matt Berry. Not in it's Matt the Berry in the TV show. In, um, in the TV show, it'd be Matt Berry. Oh, I'm. Which one is it? The one who is kind of long haired and bearded. The one who transforms into the weird cat. It's been so long since I watched it. John, Jonathan Brug. Yeah, that's yes. who I thought you were talking about. Yes, Jonathan yeah. Brug. The one who's like super sexual. Oh my god! Sorry, I'm just like I felt like I was about to pass out. You okay? I, I, maybe. Have you eaten? I have eaten. Okay, don't pass out. It doesn't make for good podcasting, so we can't see it. I mean, hear it, but also please be careful. Where were we? Something, something trippy. Jermaine Clevin. Uh, Johnny Johnny Brew. It's it wasn't. I I double checked it. So so 
it is actually Jermaine Clement's character. He bases off Gary Oldman's portrayal of Dracula and the fact that like so many of these sort of ideas get reflected back into like parody. I mean, is a testament to the success of the film. And if you look at the critical success and the commercial success of this film, it's not really a surprise, but as someone who saw what we do in the shadows well before we, I saw this, it's, Definitely a film that comes across as, yeah, tropey and, yeah, tired, almost. You know what made me tired? All, all the sex they it's had. It's so horny as well. Like, I get it's, so I get it's like, 90s horny, because you got, like, that 90s horniness. Yeah, the 90s horn dog. But this is something else. It's more. There's so it's much. It's more than that, though. I haven't read Dracula, so I don't actually know how horny the book is. It was written, it was written in the 80s, 1880s, that is. Like, how how horny can it be? Written in the 1890s. I thought you said it was 1887. 1897. That was a decade, a decade off, yeah. I mean, it should be right. Point is, it was written before sex was invented, so I don't know how horny it could be. So I haven't read it either. I've heard it's actually a really boring book, so I have no intention to read it. Uh, I have other things to read. Like, what's what's a funny book that I could be reading? Dive Wimpy Kid Seven nailed it. Perfect jerk. No, so I haven't read it. I just it, I don't I don't know because I mean I wouldn't call Francis Ford Coppola's other films horny, would I? No, I wouldn't. Yeah, none of the other three films I've seen of his are horny. Maybe he gets hornier in his latest stuff because that stuff's his earlier work. But maybe in his latest stuff he gets horny. But I don't know. Point is. I don't know why, because it's it's weird because just everyone's like licking shit. Everyone's doing weird sex faces when they're not even having sex. There's very few scenes which don't revolve around sex, talking about sex, or definitely alluding to sex. I think they include the scenes of Keanu Reeves on the train at the beginning of the film and like when they're riding on the horses. And even then, horses could be seen, riding on horses could be seen as a sexual act. I, I don't know. I think that, that like, at that point, the movie is explicit enough about what it wants to say as as sexual acts, but I don't think they need to like, stretch as far as, oh, yeah, riding horses is sexy. I guess, look, it, it's an interesting looking review, to be sure. I think it, it, look, it, like, it looks good, but it's so bloated and long and everyone just wants to nut and be sexy and do sexy things and... Also, no one's accent works because I don't know what accent Gary Oldman's doing. No, it's but it switches scene to scene. It switches from scene to scene. Whatever it is, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves can't hold the accent at all. He also looks zoned out of his mind. It's probably because in like the 1990s, he was just doing film after film after film. So. He was probably just really tired. Do you think, like, as he as his hair like grayed through the movie, do you reckon that was like actual hair graying? Yeah, they didn't actually have to do any any makeup for those scenes. He just looked like that, and <laughs> no, they they attempted to change that for continuity's sake, but the gray was so strong that it, he, they just couldn't dye the hair. Winona Ryder, she's fine actually. She's Winona she's Ryder probably was, the most. She's probably good. the most consistent in this film. Anthony Hopkins, I don't think he's bad. I just think he's insane. So I really liked, I really liked Van Helsing. I really like Hopkins. He's crazy though. He's just a, he's just a he's, nutcase. Yeah, I know. But compared to everyone else in the film, like pretty normal by all accounts. It does. It does feel like Anthony Hopkins is having the most fun out of anyone on this set. 
because he gets to, there's like the <laughs> I think the, one of the funniest ones I have is when they're confronting him after they meet the lady who they call like Lucy. It's played by Sadie Frost. Lucy's the character. She's the one who's the redhead who mar- tries to marry like three different guys or whatever, and then ends up selling her soul to Dracula. Whatever. I I glazed my eyes glazed over at some point, but this is the point where all three dudes that she tried to bang are talking to Anthony Hopkins outside, and they're like. What are you saying? Something flew into her room, drank her blood, and left. And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I am." So what? And and they all just kind of stare at him. And he's like, "And he's like, can we continue? Can we can we do something else now? Like we've 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 gone over this. Let's move on. Do something else." And there's also like the magic trick he does, where he goes, you know, relocation, and he points at them, points behind them, and he's like, "Look at that!" And they go, "What?" And they turn around, and he quickly shuffles up behind another cobblestone, and he's like relocation baby he peeks out we're behind it it's <laughs> oh look i really enjoyed his character i really enjoyed his performance i like i think he was probably it's just cr- it's insane it is insane but i think it works and i think it i i really enjoyed watching that character up until up until oh yeah he got horny so he was the only not horny character i think Keanu reeves is actually probably the least horny character Horny things happen to him, but he's never actually horny himself. Yeah, but he was he was convinced by like the succubi or whatever you're gonna call them, Dracula's brides. Yeah, yeah, but they were succubi. But they they they'd be they're not well, not really because they're still vampires. You can have succubi succubus vampires. <laughs> they they can suck my by. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that means. I felt like he had a motivation beyond. Um, I want to get laid. Yeah, he wanted to kill Dracula. He wanted to kill Dracula. He want well. He wanted his life's purpose was to kill a vampire. I get the feeling he's only ever. This is the first time he's ever met a vampire, though. He's never done this no, before. No, he's like, oh my god, they exist. I want to kill it. Me, me. I would be the same, probably. I don't know. But then, like, there's he has that scene with um Winona Ryder when they're back in Transylvania. Oh, and she tries to smash. She's like, kiss me, and he's like. But then she tries to bite him and he places a wafer on her forehead. Good scene. Loved it. 10 out of 10. It's the wafer of Christ. The body of Christ. Yeah, the wafer of Christ. The body and the blood. And that's how you know Christ was a twink. (laughs) See, it was a wafer. It was wafer thin. That's good. I've seen the trailer for the Exorcist film twice. And the one thing that I just keep remembering is the part where the, the, the little girl walks into the church and goes the body and the blood it just irritates me every single time i see that i've seen it twice and it's pissed me off both times i don't know why little tangent doesn't matter probably gonna get cut anyway point is i just i don't know this movie made me tired i i was watching it sitting down and i got exhausted watching it because it was really boring I remembered when I started the film, I checked out who was in it and I thought, that's really cool. I'm probably going to like the cast. Mm. And then watching it, as I said, my eyes had glazed over. So I didn't recognize a single person because Richard E. Grant's in this movie. He's a great actor. Carrie Ells is in this movie. He's barely in anything. I think the last big thing he was in was he was the mayor in season three of Stranger Things. He was also... He's Buttercup's love interest in Princess Bride. It's it's he's the main character of Princess Bride, basically. Wesley. Wesley, Wesley. Yeah, yeah. And he's also Robin Hood in Robin Hood, Men of Tights, the Mel Brooks re readaption re, 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 musical. Readaption? Adaption. Adaptation. Uh, 
Oh, too true. That would be the word, wouldn't it? Yeah, in British English. British. No, I was I was very similar. I look I looked at the cast and I'm like, oh, this could be really good. I really like a lot of these actors. And you like the first scene you get. Actually, no, the first scene is like fine as the prologue. And then you get the scene with Renfield, who is my second favorite character because he also put on. I like the crazy characters. Okay, Tom waits. Was probably my favorite part. Who played Renfield was probably my favorite because he had his little plate of worms and he was just munching on the worms. And I I I did love that. That was probably that was actually probably my favorite part. Richard E. Grant being like, "What's up, Tom Waits?" And then Tom Waits goes, "I'm a bite you." And Richard E. Grant gets closer and says, "I didn't hear that properly. What did you say? You're gonna bite me?" He's like, "Yeah," and he bites him. It's like you're chitty grunt. You should have seen that and then, coming. And then the guys with the cages over their heads come in and they're like, "Yeah, are they the guards?" Because I thought they were the prisoners. No, they were, I think they're the guards, so they don't get their faces jumped or whatever. Oh, well, Richard E. Grunt should have been wearing one too, but he didn't. And then he also became a whatever. Once you get into that, like the start of the actual story, the first thing you hear is Keanu Reeves' voice, and you just like it's just it ripped me straight out of it, and. I like I had to rewatch the first half hour of this movie because I was going to watch it as like a split sitting and I watched half an hour and then went and did the thing and I came back and I'm like all right time to watch the rest of this film and I couldn't and I had to I I put it off until the next day and I rewatched it just because like the first thing that came to me watching that like just that watching that first half hour and and, and I completely agree with it watching it like that second like half time is it's a really campy movie it's like keanu reeves go he goes so like it's like to, to, to go off the camp he's like he goes to dracula's castle and and dracula's like you want dinner and keanu reeves goes yeah i could i could eat and then he and then he he looks to dracula as he's about to dig in and he goes dracula aren't you going to have some some yummy yummy food and dracula looks him deep in the eyes and he says I do not drink. Uh, I do not eat, and I do not drink. <laughs> and he, you know, does his whole laugh, and then Keanu Reeves goes, "Oh, okay," and munches down, just unfazed. You're missing the best part of that that scene, which is the "I do not drink wine." Wine. Yes, that's right. It's it's like the the wine. <laughs> It feels it feels like a B movie. Like it feels like a, like a, it it really feels like someone's gone like, all right, guys, we're gonna we're gonna do everything. We're gonna do one shot. We're gonna do one take. Whatever it one is, one shot wonders, baby. <laughs> whatever it is, whatever we get on camera, that's what we're keeping. And like you get you get that like you just this shot of Carrie Oldman going, I do not drink wine. And like you're meant to take it like, oh, he drinks blood, but it is really dumb. That's so silly. And he's got his little bum hair, do it's it looks like a bum. I really like the costumes in that in that costume. The costumes though. are good. No, so the costume design is really sick. Um, I don't know who did it, but she was very, very talented, whoever she was. She I think as far as I'm aware, she usually did sets instead, but she did costuming this time. Mm. Don't know why, but no, it was really, yeah, really, the costumes were really good, Dracula specifically, which I think they have to be as well for this type of film, or for any Dracula film, the costuming for Dracula. I mean, actually, we should, maybe not the next one we're about to talk about, but. So I was, this is one of the things I was reading about is 
apparently this film, the costuming in this film had such a big impact on the way that like Dracula is visualized or vampires are visualized because up until now, oh, really? the, prim- like, the primary like visualization of Dracula was in sort of that black cloak that he's known for. for I think there's a 1930s like film. Like like the tuxedo one, like the nineteen thirties black and white. He was he'd wear like, like a tuxedo. Uh, the one with the flared thing. collar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he'd have like a little bow tie thing, and then he'd have the flared, the giant the collar. Giant collar. And the, yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of like a whacked out tuxedo. Yeah, and like that's sort of like probably the most famous portrayal, or one of the most famous portrayals, is based on a nineteen thirty something film called Dracula. The, univer- one, the Universal ones. This was really the first film to take a different approach in costuming to the traditionally like very black, dour, like dark, like night creature sort of thing, and went with the. Uh, he's wearing a huge like red cloak that stretches across the whole room, or he's wearing this like immaculate like suit thing with the like glasses and the top hat and all that. So these weird little glasses. Oh, the glasses were weird, but like it really does a lot of interesting things with like what, how can you play around with like Dracula as a character that can take many forms and often takes the form or in this film takes the form of a very handsome man. He's a very handsome man. And how do you portray that beyond like, Oh, he's in a black cloak with the, you know, a black, suit and i i think that's one of the one of the things this film does really really well is that and you and you can definitely see like the way that that's impacted screen culture in terms of like the portrayal of dracula and vampires and things like that i definitely agree how did you feel about werewolf dracula though i didn't mind it i didn't really think about it i thought it looked stupid i didn't think about it being like werewolf dracula i was mostly obsessed with the fact that i think gary oldman wears five or six different prosthetic get-ups throughout this film. He goes through different styles. So like there's the old one. There's so he's like normal nerve prosthetic. Then he's the old one. And then he's like the gargoyle. And then he's the Wolfman thing. And then he's He becomes rats for ten seconds as well. I don't think that was prosthetics though. Yeah, that probably wasn't Gary Oldman, but he becomes I guess just in general, Dracula himself has a bunch of looks in this movie giant rat tower yeah there, there's five or six different costumes that or like prosthetics that gary oldman wears like styles even yeah but like it, it, it's honestly impressive that like they went to that length because those things are a pain in the ass to organize and get on and have a actor sit and wait and do it and we all know gary oldman loves good prosthetic but do we he does a lot of work with prosthetics i can think of his more recent stuff oh i guess yeah his more recent stuff such as when when he when he see in the darkest hour was he was he wearing prosthetics for Oppenheimer or does he just look like that now? I have no idea. I think because he's a pretty skinny dude, so I reckon he probably was wearing prosthetics. That or he's um maybe he hasn't managed to keep up on the skinny, which is fine. It happens. I know I haven't, and I'm way younger than him. So yeah, I don't know <laughs> what the fuck am I talking about. As, this movie just broke my brain basically, and reliving it right now is it hurts. It hurts to think about. Like, I can appreciate its impact on genre, but it's hard to, it's just, it's just hard because it's so, it's the level of horn that it is just really actually puts me off. And, and also just uh, the way it's formatted and, and all the accents that are absolute garbage. Like they got the one British guy to have a Transylvanian accent and then the rest of the British actors are American. Anthony Hopkins is doing some weird thing, which is about as good as it gets. I think it's meant to be. I think it's meant to be German. Is it? Is that what it is? Like German or Dutch German? or something? 
I mean, Van Helsing would make me think German or Dutch, but it doesn't sound like it. I thought he was maybe from the same place Dracula was from. That's all like Eastern Europe, except for the Netherlands. Netherlands isn't Eastern Europe. Germany's not Eastern Europe. Germany's like sort of Eastern Europe. It's like Central Europe at best. It's directly next to France, which is West Europe. But this is pre-World War One, so... My bad. Austro-Hungarian Empire... Stretches a bit further east, cross-pollination of dialogical styles. Wait, my eyes. Hold on. Fuck, they're glazing again. No. No, not now. I'm trying to do a podcast. Hold on. All right, we should be good. We should be good. I slapped myself awake. Sorry, what were we talking about again? France, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dram Stoker's Dracula. Dram Stoker's Dracula? Dram Stoker's Dracula. Dram Stoker's Bachelorette. Scott Bakula, star of Star Trek: The Enterprise. I, I don't know. I do you have anything you like? Is there anything more you want to discuss about? Like, did anything point to jump out to you? Did it won three Oscars? Apparently, let's talk about that. It won for best effects, best costume design, and design design, and best makeup. I will be. I'm fine with it. Wait, what else was? Oh, I'm actually. I don't care enough to see what else it was nominated that year. I don't know. I don't know enough about special effects from 1992 to comment on that one, but the the costuming and makeup are, are really, really good and really like elevate this movie to something that's at least like fun to look at. But yeah, I just, I don't think it holds up at all. And whether that's a like wear less horny than they were in the nineties or <laughs> like it's just become a parody of itself. I don't have much more to add on this film, so did you want to give it your score? I'm just going to say, watch a girl walks home alone at night instead. That's the better vampire film. More recent, it's more interesting, it's better. Just watch that instead. Yeah, I do have a score. Uh, yeah, so my score is one, uh, 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 two, uh, 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 out of five. It's two, uh, uh, uh's out of five. Your joke was much funnier than mine. Mine is just uh, two prosthetic Gary Oldmans out of five. Is that how many Gary Oldmans? No, there were, there were more there were. prosthetic Gary Oldmans. Oh, but they only deserved two of them. No, he deserved all of the prosthetics, but that's how many I'm giving the film. The movie only deserved two of the of the prosthetics. Gary Oldman could have used them in a different film. It's a good thing that you didn't have half a Gary Altman because that would have been yucky. No, it's when they cut off his head at the end of the film. Is that half? How much is your body? Your body, I guess your head does weigh a lot, doesn't it? Like for your total body weight? He had like centuries of knowledge kicking around in there. Does your brain get bigger with the amount of knowledge? That's not how brains work. Maybe that's why my head's so small. Hey. It's time again for Maxim Mitch's mini media. I went first. Last time, you can go first this time. All right. Well, I have been busy editing the podcast. What? Most of the week because of the way that we managed to schedule our recording last week. And anyway, I'm not going to go into that. And as much as I would like to review Adobe Audition CC, I'm not. Why don't you? I'm not going to. I think you should. No, I'm not going to. I mean, it would be kind of rough for the actual thing you're going to review if you didn't. But because like you're snubbing, this is a bad fucking joke. Damn it. Run the audio again. (laughs) So the one thing that I did manage to watch in 
the last week and a half since we've sort of like had an opportunity to discuss things. I managed to watch a couple of games of the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup. Sweet. Well, which ones did you get to watch? Um, I mostly watched the games Australia played in. So go, I assumed as much. Go the, yeah. go the Tillies. Yeah, the Tillies. Up the Tillies. Up the Tillies. So I watched the most of the Australia-France game, which got cut off by us going and seeing Asteroid City. That's rude of us. Which was very... It was something because um, it went to like eight or ten penalty shootouts in sudden death when we were in the cinema. Yeah. I know your your partner was watching it in the cinema when we were there. So that was a really exciting game. And then I went and saw the Australia-England game, uh, which we lost. Um, but we went and saw that at a pub and that was really fun. And it's really exciting. I really like soccer. I always forget how much I actually like soccer as a sport. and. Every now and again, I watch a little bit and I'm like, oh, I actually like this, but I'm sure it'll end up going back to the back burner. Well, you have four years to remember till the next time. Um, no, given how inaccessible it is in Australia anyway. But yeah, I had a really good time. It's not something I can really like go, hey, go. I mean, like go back and watch the highlights, but. You can if you want. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's not really like a go check this thing out, but like check it out. But like, it's not like a show or something. So, but it was fun. I liked it. I had a good time. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, and then I'm, I watched the um, Australia-Sweden game, which was also good. Did we win? No. Fuck. So we came fourth? Yes. Which is still better than any team has. It's good. No. In Australia. Any Australian soccer team has done before. So it, My disappointment comes from that we didn't get higher, not that I think we didn't do well. Very good job. Um, it's cool. I, I do really appreciate the cultural impact this has had on us like it, it's it's i'm glad at the how I, I hope that this helps bring women's sport to the mainstream a lot more however i do not give a shit about sport in general so unfortunately i can't actually comment much more than that but i'm glad that we're slow we're slow kind of trying to get more people the opportunity to become mainstream. yeah no it's, it was really good to that's see, pretty like, cool the like cultural response to like people getting around it and it's really awesome watching um these players who are some of the best players in the world they're in the World Cup for a reason. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that we can like get together as a nation and appreciate it, all those sort of things. But um, no, it was really good. And yeah, I, I agree. I just, it'll be good to see more like formal recognition of women's sport and more resources going to that. And- yeah, I hope it doesn't just... I hope since the next stuff, because we won't have something... We, we're not hosting for anything for a little while, I no, think. No, we right? cancelled the Commonwealth Games. We did. So hopefully... Oh, well, because more than I was going to say, we're not hosting, we won't be hosting anything in for a while, so hopefully, because we, we got a lot of coverage because it was hosted here. What I'm trying to say without sounding, I'm just losing my sentence structure, every single thought is not sticking at all. What I was trying to say is hopefully when we st- when we stop hosting, we're still going to get as much coverage on, on everything, basically. It's going to be more even, because obviously it sells. We've, we've hit, we hit records on this stuff so let's just let's get some let's get some equality going is what i was trying to say what what, what you what you media this week so i've been playing a certain video game it's taken the world by a storm it has trumped a bunch of things on the boards in on steam basically considered one of the best games of the year as far as i'm aware do you, do you know what game i'm talking about diablo 4 
Actually, no. <laughs> no, it's, I'll it, give I, you another guess. All right, all right, all right, all right. The serious this time. Serious guess? Because I know yeah, the serious answer. Guess. I think I think you think you do, but I don't think it is. I think it's Baldur's Gate three. Yeah, you're an idiot. Because I'm gonna say, let's build a zoo. <laughs> Uh, all of that was a lie. I was just revving you up to do the bit where it turns out I wasn't talking about Baldur's Gate 3. I have actually been playing Baldur's Gate 3, but I want to talk about Let's Build a Zoo instead. Uh, I've played this for a tenth of the time I played for Baldur's Gate 3, but it's a cute little game where it's a pixelated thing. Think kind of like a uh, uh, roller coaster tycoon. Not that that's pixelated, but it's a similar vibe to that. Like roller coaster, or even planet zoo tycoon, zoo planet, planet zoo. I don't know. Kind of like that, but it's more cutesy, more indie. And yeah, you just build a zoo. It's got moral choices in it. So you can choose to either sell your animals to the black market and cut them up for uh, black market foods or wind power. That's the two choices. Like cut them up for wind power? No, you can cut them up for like food. So you can sell them. You can sell the meat for like exotic, exotic uh, food goods. Or you can choose to have wind power instead. This seems like a like a pretty obvious. Like I get people go through and like to pick every evil option in the game, but like, well, the game the game even goes so far as to say, all right, you can get good karma and you can get evil karma, and it's labeled as good and evil. Like it's pretty. It's not trying to hide which are the good and which are the bad choices. It's, it's very obvious. Anyway, point is. It's just a really cute game. I've put nearly three hours into it, which, like I said, is a tenth of the time I put into Baldur's Gate 3. But I really enjoyed it. It's really cute. Uh, they recently released some DLC. So there's one where you make a dinosaur park. And I'm a big Jurassic Park fan. I haven't got up to that point yet where you can make the dinosaur park, but um, I'm working towards it. And then they released another DLC more recently, which is a, an aquarium one. So it's like fish and all that. But yeah, it's really cool. There's um kind of like a there's a system of upgrading stuff that you have research points that you and you get more things to make your zoo even prettier. You get a crisper very early on in the game, so you can splice ducks and snakes together. It's pretty sweet. Uh, what are they are they called? Snucks or okay. So I mean, I've only actually spliced a goose and a rabbit so far. Because it's really hard to get to the point where you can actually splice some stuff. And they called it a gibbet or a go- goobit. It was like a goobit or something. Maybe it was a swabbit because maybe it was a swan. You'd have to make me open up the game and look at what it's called. And I'm not going to do that. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I recently I had this, I sold, I I, I, I donated all my old rabbits because they were all going to die. And I didn't have a, a furnace yet to burn the bodies. So what I had to sell all my old rabbits i mean because if you don't burn the bodies they just stay in the enclosure (laughs) and that freaks out all the guests that's nasty that's so nasty anyway so yeah that's that's my mini media for this week let's build a zoo on steam i think it's only on steam really fun just zoo management game very cute it seems overcomplicated but i'm stupid and i figured it out so you should be fine all right moving on to our last film also titled Last Voyage of the Demeter. That was planned. Uh, it is directed by... Oh, okay, so this guy's name has like that R with the slash through it. I don't know how to pronounce that. Andre Uvredel. Is that it? It's like a... Uh, Uvredel? Yeah. Sure. Uh, released in 2023. It stars Corey Hawks, Aisling Franchiosi, Liam Cunningham, 
David does. Oh no, David does. Malchian. David David does Malkian. Yep, and Woody Norman. What's it about, Max? The Last Voyage of Demeter is based on Bram Stoker's Dracula, a novel from 1897. No way, tell me more. Who wrote it? I, I, did, I said that, it's Bram Stoker. Oh, I thought that was just part of the title because the, the film's called Bram Stoker's Dracula. I was doing a bit. I was doing a bit. The bit didn't work. We went on the same page. It's 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 based on a it's based on a chapter in Dracula called Captain's Log. Is it a chapter? I thought it was like maybe two and a half pages. No, it's a, it's a chapter. Four hundred. How long is this chapter? Uh, I don't know how long the chapter is. Damn it! I have a joke later that's based around it being two and a half pages. Let's assume two and a half pages. I feel like it's more than two and a half pages. No, nah, two two and a half really big it's a page, four like twenty hundred eighteen page book. And how many chapters? Uh, twenty-seven chapters. Twenty-seven. Yeah, oh, that's not math I can do off the top of my head. Um, you're looking at about eight pages per chapter ish. Fifteen and a half pages. Oh, no, my joke later doesn't work. Just let's just continue with two and a half pages. It it makes it funnier, and my joke works more if we do. Um. Anyway, it's based on it's based on the chapter of Dracula in which Dracula organizes for boxes of dirt to go on a ship called the Demeter and goes from Transylvania to London, but along the way everyone dies. He gets snacky. This would be a spoiler, except for the fact that the movie reveals this in the first scene. And also anyone who's read the book would know that everyone dies as well. Yeah, I know, but like neither of us have read the book and we're both talking we're talking about two Dracula movies. Did you watch um this before or after? I watched this before and I feel like it was the correct order. I watched Bram Stoker's first. Cause I watched it, I think, the day before or something along those lines. Because I had time to and I knew I didn't want to. So I I mean I wanted to. I wanted to do it. I was convinced it was gonna be a great film i haven't heard horrible things about it you ever watch game of thrones no all right well the, the main captain's from game of thrones and he plays basically the same character and that as he does in this he's great though i love him look fine film it was fine what was missing from it it was missing some pizzazz you know what i mean it, everything in it was fine what am i trying to say you start talking because I'm going to think about what I want to say now. No, I agree. It's an aggressively mediocre film. I, I believe the ch- children call it mid. That's the terminology that they use. Yeah, it, it, it's it's trying to be a horror where, like, I know we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, we talked about Alien. I'm going to talk about Alien again because it's a good what? movie. That means I'm contractually obligated to bring up The Abyss, the Abyss? somewhere in this yeah. part now. <laughs> I have to figure out a way to pull it into this film. There's water. There's water involved in this movie. I'll be able to find it. But yeah, so like you, you take a, a like a classic of that genre. It's a horror movie. Everyone's trapped on a in a place they can't escape. It's two different ships. Except one's a sea ship and the other one's a one's spaceship. One's a spaceship. Yeah, a creature is picking off characters one by one. That said, there was not enough tension built in this film to warrant the outcomes it was trying to like create it it did this thing where it would 
try for quick release at the sacrifice of a longer play. What I mean by that is there were some scenes that were genuinely tense, I would say. But the movie basically shows the monster way too early. That's the problem. I guess that's it. That's the issue. Alien doesn't show the xenomorph for basically almost the full duration, the duration of the film where you get just brief glimpses of it here and there. Uh, and then you get the good a good look by the very end. Mm. In Last Voyage of the Demeter, you're seeing really good shots of him pretty early on. And he's not like the sexy Dracula either. He's this weird bat flesh creature. So he is a monster. My understanding is like from what I saw in Bram Stoker's Dracula by Francis Ford Coppola, he's also like that sort of like ugly form. Let's actually talk about that for two seconds. <laughs> so I would agree, except for the very end of the movie when the main character has managed to get off the ship and he's made his way and he's having a good bevy at the local pub as any good British man would after a traumatic experience. And then the knocks that were reoccurring throughout the ship are playing in his head and you realize it's because Dracula's fucking with him in the pub. He's Dracula's in the pub with him and he's in his cloak and he's got his, because we see his, um, his stick really early on in the dirt that Dracula's sleeping in during the trip. And you go, oh, so this, yeah, so this is Dracula in his beast form. He'll transform into non-beast form later because he won't have to be in beast form. He'll be, but he's still in ghoul form. He's still a yucky ghoul by the at the very end of the movie when he's part of in quotation mark part of society and meant to be sexy now. Like when he's meant to be Gary Oldman, he's still a ghoul. He's a he's a weird ghoulish guy. And I don't know why that irritates me so much, but it does. <laughs> It shouldn't, but it does. I, I definitely agree with your sentiment about like them revealing him too early. It's one of those things where like which is why I was frustrated with the alternate title as well. So the title in our region, which is Australia, is Dracula the Voyage of Demeter. Yeah, it's um that's it's a that's a similar title that's through other international markets as well. So we're not the only ones, but the fact of the matter is is you can play a lot of this move or play some of this movie the first couple of scenes of this movie without revealing it's a dracula movie and honestly i think it the movie would probably be better at what it's trying to achieve if it did that be kind of sick yeah because yeah you're you're like the aim of this kind of film we talked about this with the mag as well the aim with this kind of film is to build up tension over the course of the film so that your core character your key character um feels increasingly threatened and then they somehow escape or triumph or something usually is is typically how this sort of genre film goes whereas yeah this film failed to build up the tension that it needed partly because you get that character reveal really early on you get a lot of like weird fake outs and like things like that you get the idea that they're already hunting for like there's a thing on board really early on and they fake they do a fake out with the girl and then there's also just the fact that they spend a lot of the latter third of the movie trying to work out a way to like kill Dracula, which you don't need to have read the book to know like, well, that's not the end of the story. So therefore, like, you don't really need to focus on that as a point because like you can just use it as a, oh my God, they need to survive. Um, And I think the most successful films in that sort of like suspense, horror, like horror thriller 
space, do that rather than try and triumph over some evil. I agree. And I think the big, yeah, the biggest issue this film has is it has to spin wheels to get to the point that everyone knows it's going to get to. There's a lot of worrying about certain objectives that you already know are going to fail because it has to fail because you know that Dracula manages to get to England. You know that not even because if you've read the book, it's because the movie starts with the con- some police constable picking up the captain's diary after it's crashed after the the Demeter has crashed into England and they're very obvious that it is England so it's not like oh did they crap manage to crash somewhere else no it's definitely England where it crashed so you know that any attempt to stop the Demeter from reaching England fails basically I think the reason why I'm so animated right now is because I was actually kind of excited for this movie I thought it was a really cool idea. I'm disappointed. I'm really disappointed because I think there's a lot of potential in it. And I think there's a lot of good filmmaking in, in it as well. I think all the actors are actually really good. I think they portray the correct emotions. I think anyone who becomes a thrall is sufficiently spooky as well. There's only about two people I can think of. So there's the main guy who chases the kid. And then the kid himself is actually really good and mm. killing the kid as well. They kill the kid. It just messed up because usually you don't kill the kid, right? Like, that's just not something that happens, but they do in this one, which is really, really dark. Well, they set the kid on fire. And that's it's, it, Not even do they kill the kid. They then bring the kid back and set him on fire, which is just, which is crazy and good, good on him. Like kill more children in cinema, not real life. Please don't do it in real life. It's just, there's so much in this. Like, cause I really like the main guy, Corey Hawks, the actor, at least I, the, his name. I can't recall. Give me two seconds. Uh, Clemens. Clemens is really interesting character and he's just fun to watch cause he's technically capable, but no one is prepared for this situation though, except for maybe Anna, which is Aisling Frenchie OC's character. But even then, because that's actually what, something I really liked. At no point do they figure out that the way to kill Dracula is stake through the heart or behead or sunlight. I mean, they put two and two together after a while seeing the affected burn up, but they never at any point go, oh, we can get a stake through the heart and get this guy because they wouldn't know. And it, it, it's good that they never at any point they're like, can we shoot it? We can shoot it probably, right? Shooting stuff usually works. Ten, like nine times out of 10 shooting something kills it. So that's what they just try and do continuously, just try and shoot Dracula. And it has a, it's effective, but obviously it doesn't kill him. And even Aisling Frenchiosi, whose character is from a, a, a town that's right underneath Dracula's castle, they say to her, do you know how to kill him? And she's like, if, we knew, if I knew how to kill him, do you not think our, our town would have done it hundreds of years ago? Like we, we would not be in this situation right now if I had the knowledge of how to kill Dracula. And it's, that's good. That's good stuff. It's just the lack of any proper tension. It, it's got all the pieces there. It's got all the pieces there. They're just It just feels like it's almost in the wrong order. You, you get reveals in the wrong places. You get really, the tension like releases in too early or too late. Not too late typically, but too early, definitely. You get information before you really need that information. And as a result, it does what has the potential of being a really good film with a really interesting and unique concept and a great cast. It, it does a disservice, frankly. That's pretty much what I was trying to say. You said it better than I, what I was doing. I don't know if you've seen Nightingale, which is an Australian film. 
All right, so Aisling Frenchier sees in that, and it's just that and this have shown that she's a really good actress, and I'm really excited to see what else she's going to be in. And Liam Cunningham, I mentioned before, brilliant actor. David Desmalkian. Fuck, got it. There we go. I got it. David Desmalkian. He's good too. He's not, he's probably the most famous in this cast, which says it's, 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 a, it's a lesser known cast, which is fine. That doesn't mean anything to the quality whatsoever. I don't know what Corey Hawkins is in. I don't, have you seen him before? Um, not off the top of my head. Point is, good actors who do a really good job and i don't think they're the issue at all i really do think it's just the pacing of the film is insanely poor is is that's it it's insanely poor so jumping off that that i, I want to talk a little bit about the production of this film so cursory glance at wikipedia will show you that this film actually started in development not long after bram stoker's dracula the francis ford coppola um, movie that we watched from 1992. That's the connection. It's yeah. It's not just another Dracula film. It was it was directly connected. It was submitted as a screenplay. I was re- finalized as a screenplay not long after that as sort of a spin-off sort of thing from that movie, and it got stuck in production hell for literally 30 years. And as a result, like whenever something. Like that happens to a film, you you tend to end up in these situations where you get handovers of studios and directors and writers and what have you. And as a result, your core concepts get muddled. And I think like for the most part, it's it's reasonably impressive that like the core conceit of the idea, it's like, well, it's Dracula on a boat, that got retained. I really wonder like how much did the fact that it has been in production for so long, it's been through a number of different creatives in the process of being made. How much has that affected the outcome that we we've we're seeing in cinemas now? How how messy did it become due to just all this handover? What how many executive notes have come down from up above and completely altered the film in some way? Like I said, I'm not angry at the movie. I know I sound kind of angry at the movie. I'm just greatly disappointed because the idea of this because Dracula hasn't vampires haven't been scary in a long while I'd say at least not in the mainstream and even then on the side I don't think vampires have been scary for a while either my best example of like scary vampire that I can think of is like Nosferatu and that's pushing it what 19 1930 something I think it's earlier than that and then you got the 1930 something I don't know how scary that is because vampires have become these sexy creatures. I mean, there's a couple of books that I've read that I've made that had actually scary vampires, but that's not the same thing at all. I'm talking about, I want a movie with a scary vampire. And this had all the makings to be that, because I think the creature design is actually really cool. I think some of the set pieces that they set up are actually really interesting, even though you know they're going to fail, which is makes it a little hard to get invested. But what they're actually doing is like, that's a really cool thing that you are doing with the source material. It's just, it didn't have the zang and the zip zap zooey to keep it all together and to keep me, I was bored. So like I was either tense because I knew I was going to get shouted at because jump scares and we all know my history with jump scares because just like 
abyss. It comes up every single episode now. So the jump scares, I mean, technically got me. There's even some that didn't. And so if, you, if your jump scares aren't getting me, then there's a problem because I'm so easy to get. I don't know. What, what did you think about those? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it got to a point where I'm just like, I see there, I could see them setting it up. I'm like, okay, there's going to be a jump scare. They did the jump scare. I'm like, that wasn't scary. It wasn't ever scary. It it literally is just the suddenness of them that gets me. Like, like and that's even it. that at times, like you, you, it was so well telegraphed and so almost gratuitous to an extent that it would it just ended up kind of numb, becoming like this numb sort of experience where they'd do something that was like amazingly grotesque or something, and you sort of just go, "Yep, cool." After the Meg, the one thing I'll give this movie is that it goes for the gory kills, which is something that's pretty sick. Like uh, Dracula bashes people's heads in and sucks their blood and rips them apart. That's cool. For the type of movie, obviously, that we're watching, you want those gory kills, especially since this is basically a slasher in all intents and purposes. the Because there's two scenes I can think of that are properly quite tense deliberately and don't drop the ball. And those are the ones that don't involve proper jump scares per se. It's more you're you're seeing Dracula kind of in the background and you're noticing it. So the two that I'm thinking of is there's the one where the little kid is left in is the captain's in the captain's room. Yeah. And yeah, and he and he leaves and you're like, damn stupid little kid, don't why are you doing this? Don't do that. Stay in your stay locked. And he leaves, but he leaves it unlocked as well. And then he gets chased by the thrall, and that's that's tense. Because there's that actually pretty cool part where you see the two different corridors, the same corridor from two different directions, and you see the kid stumbling down it from one section, and then you see the thrall walking down the other way, and you know that the thrall is a thrall, but the kid doesn't know the thrall is a thrall, and you're like, "Don't do this!" And ah, that was good. And then he gets back into the room, locks the door, but Dracula's snuck in, technically unbeknownst to everyone, including the audience. Uh, I'm pretty sure people in the audience can figure out that Dracula probably got in. During that, like that, that was the bit that was the the penny drop had already dropped, yeah. which is that's bad filmmaking. What's good filmmaking there is is that part where the kids underneath the table, and you can just see Dracula being a junkie in the corner and having the shakes and and all that, and that's pretty cool. And then you get, the whispers are really cool as well. When like that's really interesting. So that that scene's really good. And there's a similar scene at the very not similar scene, but there's a similar idea type thing at the end where you're you're witnessing Dracula the whole time. It's not the fact that he's a jump scare; it's that he's a presence, mm-hmm. which is what's scarier. When David Dustmalkian falls from the mast and into the cargo hold, and his job is to scuttle the ship, and he's chased through. He's broken his leg because he's fallen from a great height and all that, and he's chased through the cargo hold, and you can just see shots of him scrambling and then Dracula's kind of on his tail like following around on top of the cargo and all that and then there's that final shot where he's closing the big doors and Dracula just kind of is right there as the door closes and that part was like oh that's that's a real tense moment good stuff see that stuff's really good <laughs> it's just surrounded by a bunch of mediocre stuff that's the problem there's, there's so much potential here it's, there's no lack of talent in this movie. It's a lack of connectivity and a lack of all the elements coming together, which is what's really important for a film. Because a film, films, there's so many films that live and die on the issue that the sum of their parts is not at all equivalent to each individual part. And that's the issue in this film, is that those parts do not come together and create what could have been a really awesome horror film. 
Oh, I sound so depressed. <laughs> I'm very passionate about, I don't know why I've gotten so passionate because I don't care about Dracula either. Like it's not a, a thing that fills me with, it's just, I think this, I wanted this because I love period pieces. Pirates of the Caribbean is pretty sick as well. So on a boat, apparently I love the abyss. So water is always great as well. And rats. And rat. Dude, I'm a big rat guy. Because that was really cool when the guy was like, the rats, they're not here anymore. And you know, when rats are pissed off, something's bad. And I'm, and I'm like, that's cool. Like the rats have pissed off. That's terrifying. <laughs> Too bad the rest of the film isn't as spooky. It's just, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely like, it, there's, it has its moments and then it, yeah, it suffers from that lack of connective tissue. It's like the guy who plays a sport and he's really good at specific things in that sport, but then ask him to play like a whole game. And you're just kind of like, now you should probably sit on the bench unless I can manage to predict the specific points where you'll be good to have on the field. You know, it's a really horrible. You get me though, right? <laughs> and this, and this is what we call Mitch does not engage in sports. I love sports ball. I love the sports ball. Very nice. Anyway, I think I'm not saying I think anymore. I know it's time to give our scores. Do you want to go first? I'll go first. I gave The Last Voyage of the Demeter, known locally as Dracula, Voyage of the Demeter. No way. Is it two titles? Two and a half vampires out of five. The half is the kid. <laughs> I was trying to guess your joke. Damn it. Well, I'm giving it two and a half, which is how many pages they managed to turn into a feature film <laughs> out of five. Well, they did. Uh, they that did, joke was worth it. They did. Uh, worse with the Hobbit trilogy. I secretly like the Hobbit trilogy. Shh, don't tell anyone. Shh. Wall of the Rings is definitely better, but I actually enjoy the Hobbit trilogy. But also, I will not defend it. They're not good. I just like them. There's a difference. You don't need to yell at me. I know they're bad. Let me enjoy them. This is to the viewers. I know you won't care enough to yell at me. Um, you let me know before the show starts that we have a bit of fan mail. Yeah, we do. Hate mail? Um, I don't actually think it is hate mail this week. That is a change. Oh, well, not a change. We've had one instance of semi-fan, semi-hate mail, and then we've also had a Nigerian prince asking for our credit card. So, you want to go? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just, it? I'm, it's loading. No, that's okay. I'm going to fill the time with my theories on relativity. I love these. Theory one. Reality is not the same as Tivity, and therefore putting them together is interesting. So you know what time it is. Oh, thank God. It's time for fan mail. Oomph. The oomph is what makes it. You asked me to do it with oomph, and I did it with oomph. No, I agree. I, I, that's what I'm saying. The oomph is what makes it. And we have a email this week from KL. Do I know who KL is? Yes. Whose name starts with a K? Hello, Max and Mitch. Mix and match. I just wanted to email in and say how much I really enjoy your podcast. Oh. I think it's very funny, but also very insightful. It makes me realize how dumb I am when it comes to movies because so much of the thematic and cinematographic stuff flies over my head. Yeah, don't worry, it's the same for yeah, me. Max, like, look, Max handles all of that. I, 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 like, fumble it, mostly. Yeah, but still, I miss most of it. Max gets all, I get to just sit there and nod and be slightly associated to it, because I'm in the same podcast. I just finished 
your Barbenheimer episode, and oh my god, Mitch, you cannot pronounce an actor's name to save his life. That's true. I fucked up Stephen Yen's name like five times last episode. I remember him rattling off a list of Barbie's Barbie actors' names, and he barely got fifty percent right. Also, you yeah. said Cillian, uh, Ch- or Chillian, or Cillian Murphy. No, mate, there is no Cillian here. The only Cillian, silly one, haha, get it, is you. Yeah. Anyway, I'm having lots of fun and makes working from home a lot less dull. Excited to get into the next episodes. KL. Yeah, I. it's funny that I got roasted for my pronunciation of actors' names when I spent maybe a whole full minute trying to pronounce David Dusmalki in this episode. I'm not doing well. I, I, I said UN. I've done it three different ways this episode just now. And last episode, I think not a single time did I say his name the same way. So there's maybe one correct pronunciation in there and then the rest of them are wrong. I don't know what it is. My brain does not like... Names? F- names. I don't understand. Because usually I'm fine what's my, as well. What's my name, Mitch? Max Denderbengenski. That's <laughs> it. Benderbengenski. That's, that's it. That's my name. That's the one. Max Denerbengenski. Yeah. D- does the viewers know that? We have our names in these, I right? I think it's in the name somewhere. It's connected oh. somewhere on the Twitter. Just beep it out. <laughs> beep out the correct one and keep in the incorrect ones. <laughs> I mean, your Twitter's on connected. Yeah, so everything's I mean, connected. Yeah. Everything's connected. <laughs> it's the metaverse, baby. Everything's connected. Except Twitter's not metaverse. And neither's what we're on now. Unless you listen through the Facebook podcast app. Is that a thing? Is that one? I don't think so. Not that I'm aware of. Facebook, don't make a podcast app. We don't need more of this. <laughs> this has been the Blockbusted Podcast. I've been Mitch. I've been Max. And you can send us questions, reviews, and warranted hate mail at blockbustedpoddy at gmail.com. That's P-O-D-D-I-E. You can also find us on Twitter slash X at uh, the username BBPoddy. It's about the same way as the as the mail. Uh, we also have a TikTok now um, at Blockbusted Potty. Fuck, we should really kind of just make one username, huh? I set up some of the things. I, I, yeah, I will have to wait 30 days to change the TikTok one. We, there's no TikToks up yet, but we'll start soon. We'll let you know. I was going to make one at the start of this recording session, but then I forgot. Anyway, this week... I'm asking you to not let sexy Brits with Eastern European accents into your room. House. Your house, not your room. I mean, don't let them into your room either. What about like sexy Australians with Eastern European heritage? It's completely different ballpark. Let them in. Let them in. Let them in. Wait, is it you? Are, are you the are you the sexy Australian with the Eastern European heritage? Who can say? I think that's a yes. Goodbye. Goodbye.